What's happening, guys? Pete Mundo on HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Thanks, as always, for listening to this week's radio show, Turned in the Podcast. If you haven't, rate, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and also... If you send me the screenshot of that review to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com, I got a free koozie coming your way. It's all you got to do. Enjoy the show. We'll talk to you soon. Safeties drop really deep. Handoff sermon over the left side. Big hole. 30. First down. 25. 20. Breaks a tackle. 15. 10. 5. The minister is into the end zone. Preach. Mason takes the ball, fakes a handoff, fires over the middle. It's caught by Aitman, and he takes it into the end zone. He juggled it for a moment, but got it back. Pistols firing. Touchdown, Oklahoma State's Marcel Aitman. There's more to us than that. Two receivers left, one right. Quarterback keeper here, 30-yard line. Jesse, 25-20, 15-10-5 to the goal line. Touchdown, 35 yards on the run for Jesse Ertz. Turpin in motion, they fake to him, hand to Hicks, he'll walk in and score. Hit the horn with 7.39 to play in the second quarter, and the Horn Frogs now go up 13 to 7 in advance. 2,000 country stations, yeah, we're one big country nation, that's right. So I really hate to do this and continue to bring up good Big 12 news, but Hey, it keeps coming in. What do you want me to do about it? I can't I can't uh, avoid the great news the Big 12 is coming in. Pete Mundo with you, Heartland College Sports Weekly. Always great to be here and get another show rolling right along. We're part of heartlandcollegesports.com. We're an independently owned and operated Big 12 operation website, the radio show, podcast, uh, video aspect as well. So I appreciate you guys joining us. I now host a morning show on KCMO in Kansas City. I used to work in Oklahoma. In between, spent some time in New York at uh, CBS Sports Radio and Fox and other places. So it's great to be back here in Big 12 country. We have a lot of plans coming up this fall on the tailgate front. So excited to share that with you as we uh, inch closer and closer to the season. I think we're inside of 90 days is where we are right now in terms of the uh, start of college football season. And it cannot get here soon enough. The problem is once it gets here, it goes way too damn fast, but that's all right. All right, let's uh, let's dive into some of the things going on here. The Big 12 set a conference record with $365 million in revenues. Now, you think about this, and you put this into perspective, that's $36 bucks per school. That does not count Tier 3 rights. So you have a school like Texas that's making $50 million a year. That's more than the SEC schools. That's more than the Big Ten schools. Those are monster numbers. And you think about a school like an Iowa State or a West Virginia or a Kansas State, the fact that these schools are hauling in $36 million bucks, while the ACC is racking in somewhere around the $26, $27 million range, Pac-12 is around $31 million bucks, and the Pac-12's number includes its Tier 3 rights. Damn, the Big 12 is in good shape, man. I don't care how you want to spin this thing. The Big 12 is in great shape. It's healthy. And here's the deal. If there is a conference that is going to blow up anytime in the near future, it ain't going to be the Big 12. I can tell you that right now. It'll probably be the Pac-12. It probably will. Their network's a disaster. 
there already are rumors of some of their schools wanting out. Do these Arizona schools want to join the Big 12? I don't want to get into a whole uh, conference realignment talk, but let me just say this about the Arizona schools because this rumor has come up. You know, it's popped up here and there over the last uh, bunch of weeks and couple of months about the Pac-12 or the Arizona schools bailing out and the Big 12 being a perfect destination. I got to be honest. I'm not dying for the Arizona schools, even if they're available. You think about how this breaks down for the conference fo- or the college football teams and the conferences. Each conference has a couple of anchors to it that make the money, right? Big 12's got Texas and Oklahoma. Pac-12's got USC, UCLA. Big 10's got Michigan, Ohio State. SEC has Florida, Alabama. You want to throw in Texas A&M, be my guest, but they suck every year, so what's it matter? Um, ACC has Florida State, and that's kind of it. Clemson is not reaping the rewards monetarily yet from their recent success under Dabo Sweeney. So does adding the Arizona schools really add a ton of value to the Big 12? Does it add decent value? It does. But does it add can't-miss value getting in those markets of Tempe and Tucson? I don't think it does. And I don't know this for sure, but Phoenix does not strike me as a diehard college town. I just don't think that's the case. And I think the Big 12 is so healthy right now. And these teams, for the first time in well over a decade, because the whole collapse or near collapse of the Big 12 started well before the actual realignment happened in, you know, 09, 10, 11, and 12. It happened, it started long before that. But these teams are united and on the same page and bring in two more voices to the room when you have things trending in such a positive direction does not make a ton of sense to me. And also from a, a geographical standpoint, how many of us Big 12 fans are really going to be making that trek at the Tempe or Tucson? It might be fun once, but it's kind of like Nebraska leaving for the Big Ten and Nebraska fans being like, am I going to go to Purdue for a road trip? Eh. Now, Ohio State I'll do, Michigan I'll do. But for the most part, all the teams the Big Ten or all the teams that Nebraska plays in the Big Ten, especially the Big Ten West, kind of worthless opponents and not road trips that Nebraska fans are dying to take. And I don't think there's a lot of Big 12 fans that would replace a trip to Manhattan or Norman or Austin to go to Tempe or Tucson, especially when you can't drive there, unless you want to take an extra day. So let's pump the brakes on the Arizona schools a little bit. I don't want to dive into it too much, but I had to get that off my chest. But these revenue numbers are enormous for the Big 12. There's so many positives to come out of it. And it's another sign. It was weird. This was like a Friday news dump late last week, and it shouldn't have been. This is the kind of news the Big 12 should have released on a Monday to get more people talking about it, discussing it, and realizing what's actually going on at the college football level and and who's actually making money and who's actually profiting the most. And I hope these Big 12 schools make sure they are dumping that money back into their programs and back into things like coaching and facilities because that's how you keep up and win these arms races that they are all in at every level. You got to win them. You do. And that's something that we got to keep an eye on for these Big 12 teams to make sure they are reinvesting that money in the right places. Because just as quickly as you can rise, you can fall. 
just look at the Pac-12. A few years ago, it was the Pac-12 that was going to be the Pac-16 and the mighty conference in America. And Larry Scott was this genius running this uh, conference. And turned out to not be the case. Anyone dying to be Larry Scott in the Pac-12 right now? I'm not. I'm not envious of Larry Scott in the Pac-12. Neither should you be. So you got to continue to dump the money in, and you can never get complacent with everything going on. Pete Mundo on Heartland College Sports Weekly. It's good to be here with you as we continue and, and get to a lot of good things. We have Cam Brock coming up in just a few minutes here as we are going to get into what's going on the baseball front in the Big 12. And let me say this about the baseball stuff. Kyler Murray gets drafted number nine overall by the Oakland A's. Gets drafted ninth overall. And then you have Lincoln Riley coming out and saying that he is going to be playing football for us next year. Now, I don't know exactly how the details on this thing are going to work. But let me just say this about it. I don't love it. And here's why I don't love it. I just finished reading Jay Williams' book, his basically autobiography. Jay Williams, who played college basketball at Duke, uh, legendary player, and then hurt himself in that motorcycle accident uh, after his rookie year with the Chicago Bulls and gave up millions of dollars. And one thing he mentioned, when he came back for his final year at Duke, which he should not have done, he not only regretted it, but he had a chip on his shoulder as if to say, and an attitude as if to say, I could be making millions right now, but I'm here because I'm a good guy. He became separated from the team, and it didn't do well for team morale. I'm not saying that's going to happen with Kyler Murray. I don't know Kyler Murray. But what I will say is this. If there is a chink in the armor, so to speak, of the OU season, these are the kind of things that can cause it, and then they can only spiral out of control and downhill from there. If you have a guy who's agreed to a $5 million contract, which is what Kyler Murray is allotted to make based on the MLB draft, that can create a lot of tension, especially, let's be honest, Kyler Murray's 5'10", a buck 90. He's not the kind of guy who is likely to have a big-time NFL career. Russell Wilson's 5'11", 205, Baker Mayfield's 6'1", 215, and they're considered undersized. He's 5'10", 190. I know he apparently loves football, and yes, this is good for Lincoln Riley, and this is good for the Sooners, but there is so much drama that can play out with this decision uh, that I don't think a lot of people are looking at from a long-term perspective for OU. It's not the saying it won't work. It could work out beautifully, and it's a great story, and he wins a Heisman Trophy, but then he ends up playing baseball. But, man, if I'm Kyler Murray and you get hurt this year and something happens with that contract, I know you're going to have an insurance policy, but my goodness. You know, this is not Russell Wilson who signed a $200,000 contract as a fourth-round pick and then played at NC State. This is a totally different animal absolutely different and I have a hard time seeing that this is going to work out beautifully going forward for OU I might be totally wrong I could be totally wrong I hope I am wrong but I also foresee this potentially causing some problems not just in the locker room but on the field as well and the minute Kyler Murray thinks in the back of his mind geez uh do I have to make a certain move or get rid of this ball because this guy coming at me is 300 pounds and I got $5 million in line from the Oakland A's? Then you're screwing with your head, and that's not going to do you an ounce of good. 
But we're going to dive into this more with Cam Brock. He is our insider Big 12 baseball expert. This guy knows the Big 12 baseball scene like nobody else, not just you know, on the internet, but I mean anywhere. I mean, he's as good as it gets. So we'll talk to him about Kyler Murray and also Super Regionals coming up this weekend right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Pete Mundo back with you on Heartland College Sports Weekly, and we now say hello and welcome in Cam Brock. You hear him and you read him on heartlandcollegesports.com. He is as good as it gets for Big 12 baseball information. And Cam, I was just talking about Kyler Murray and this whole deal he signed with the A's, but he's still going to play football for Lincoln Riley. You know, I'm not predicting this, but there are so many things that could go wrong, not just from an on-the-field perspective, but you talk about now locker room issues, a guy in the locker room who's, you know, got five million bucks coming his way. What kind of uh, issues does that bring up? On top of the fact that, let's be honest, Kyler Murray's 5'10", 190. He's probably not an NFL quarterback. So uh, what do you make of all this and how this could play out for the Sooners? Well, uh, a lot of... Uh, a lot of scouts uh, would probably tell you uh, that you're wrong about the NFL dreams, um, but you're right. He probably wouldn't start in the NFL, of course, immediately especially. Uh, he was a five-star recruit coming out of high school. Granted, the jump from high school to the NFL is a gigantic leap. But, yeah, there could be locker room issues. I mean, when, you, when you're making $5 million and, the other guys are scrapping for food. That That's a major difference, and uh, it can certainly be an attitude uh, adjustment right there. And he wasn't exactly the cleanest guy in the locker room when he was at Texas A&M. So there could definitely be locker room issues, but this guy's a competitor. I've seen him on the field. He He's taken some hits that I've seen, and it, doesn't, it didn't face him when I saw him. Uh, he's an athletic competitor he's he can play baseball he can play football i mean i think it's it's hard to say with the locker room issues but on the field performance he is going to be absolutely phenomenal for oklahoma well uh, cam let's dive into the teams that are still playing and are still getting underway and that's texas and texas tech when you look at these uh, super regional matchups who's got the better chance of making a deep run and getting the world series Texas Tech, and uh, it's not because uh, Texas can't make it. I mean, they, they're they're a solid team. They've got all the talent that they need to make it to Omaha, but Texas Tech has got the easier matchup. Uh, no matchup at this point is easy, but when you look at Tennessee Tech, they've got a complete team, and the reason they weren't a host or a national seed is because they didn't put in a uh, – they, they didn't apply. You have to apply to be a regional host, and you have to apply to be a super regional host. Tennessee Tech, small school out of the Ohio Valley Conference, went 27-3 and in their conference. They didn't apply. They probably – their stadium specifications probably aren't up to NCAA standards, and so they were a number two seed – and probably the closest location to where Tennessee Tech University is located, Oxford, Mississippi. That's northern Mississippi. 
So um, they were sent to Ole Miss. They uh, lost one game to Ole Miss. They beat Missouri State twice, a very good Missouri State team. And they beat Ole Miss uh, two times in the same day. And this, they had to deal with weather delays. They had to deal with all sorts of issues. And they still came out on top in an SEC environment where there's 10,000 screaming Ole Miss Rebel fans at you. Tennessee Tech is a solid team. They can compete on the road, and they've got the talent to win. They've already got two players drafted in the MLB draft this season. Cam Brock's our guest, uh, heartlandcollegesports.com. Pete Mundo with you. Cam, you read them all the time on the website, uh, heartlandcollegesports.com. As good as it gets for Big 12 baseball information, Cam, if this Texas Tech team reaches the World Series, considering that their ace, Stephen Gingery, went down in February uh, with an ACL injury, I believe it was, or UCL injury in his elbow, uh, what does that say about this Texas Tech program? It says that Tim Tadlock knows how to recruit. Um, This is the most explosive offense in the Big 12. They scored over 400 runs, and a schedule that only allows 54, 55, something like that. So, I mean, do the math right there. That's nearly 10 runs a game. And uh, that's that's what they've used this entire season is their offense. Grant Little, he's already been drafted this year. He's a sophomore. Um, Josh Young, uh, he's even better than Grant Little, and he's going to be probably a number one, uh, a top 10 overall pick next season. They got um, Zach Reams, who hit three home runs this weekend, went four for four in the uh, championship game against Louisville. So this is a really explosive offense. And then you still got some pitching. I mean, um, Dylan Dushek, his freshman year, went went undefeated, 10-0. They got... uh, Ryan Shetter, Jose Cazada just got drafted. Both of those are uh, are MLB draftees already today. So, um, yeah, I've said this in the past. Steve, the injury of Stephen Gingry is what separates Texas Tech from being a national championship contender and a College World Series contender. I fully expect him to make the College World Series. But the national championship is another thing. Do they have the arms to go two weeks of grueling baseball against the seven other best teams in the nation? Cam Brock, our guest. Uh, Cam, which Big 12 team uh, disappointed you the most this season? This season would definitely be TCU. Um Obviously, the injury bug hit them. They had uh, several weather cancellations, postponements. Um, At one point, I had counted there were nine of those. And then you lose uh, Luke and Baker and Jared Janzak. And Luke and Baker, despite having his season ended the past two years, the St. Louis Cardinals believed so much in his talent, they took a chance on him in the second round. Um, it was a compensatory pick uh, in in the second round. If you if you lose if you don't sign your first round or second round draft pick in the MLB draft, then you get an extra pick the next season. 
and they and the Cardinals used that on Luke and Baker this year, and uh, I mean that's a big loss. A guy that built baseballs out of the yard was a National Gatorade Player of the Year his senior year in high school. He was a consensus All-American as a freshman. Would have been a consensus All-American had he stayed healthy the past few years. And really, in 2017, TCU probably wins the national championship even without Jared Janzak if Luke and Baker stays healthy. Remember, they had Evan Scout who hit 20 home runs that season. Cam, we got a so, uh, little less than a minute left, so I want to ask you, out of Texas, Texas Tech, uh, one, both, none, uh, what's the deal with these teams making the College World Series and getting to Omaha? Texas Tech makes the College World Series. I give Texas a great chance. they got a fighting chance. Um, I I think they go to game three. I'll, I'm going to say that they pull it off two and one, but it's going to be very, very close. Tennessee Tech, respect them. They're a great team. He's Cam Brock. You read him all the time on heartlandcollegesports.com. If you're a Big 12 baseball fan, it'll be locked into the site in the coming days. He's going to have you covered. And uh, Cam, always great to talk, and uh, we'll do it again soon. Love talking baseball with you, Pete. And I'm pretty convinced Cam loves talking baseball with anybody. It's no offense to myself, but that guy will talk college and specifically Big 12 baseball with anybody that will listen, and that's what makes him the best. It is. Next up, where are the trap games in the Big 12 this fall? We'll get to it right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Final few minutes, Pete Mundo on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. We're part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent digital Big 12 media outlet. And uh, we always appreciate you joining us here. Now, every week, Derek Duke has been doing this, where he is doing a mailbag that we release on Tuesdays, Big 12 football mailbag. He's crushing this thing. And he gets some really good questions. And uh, by the way, the best question ends up getting a free koozie in the mail, a Heartland College Sports koozie. So follow Derek at DerekDuke25 and um, you know ask him your questions on Monday when he puts that out on Twitter. So he had a good question come his way. Where are the potential biggest upsets in the Big 12 this fall? And Derek gave you four solid options. He gave you West Virginia at Iowa State, West Virginia at Oklahoma State, OU against Texas Tech, and Texas Tech at or excuse me, and then Texas at Texas Tech. Those are all good ones, all very solid ones. But I'm looking at a couple others here. A couple other big upsets I could see on the schedule, and here's what they are. First off, Oklahoma going on the road to Iowa State in Week 3. Potential. Now, might not be an upset, but uh, certainly has potential there with Oklahoma coming off a UCLA game at home against Chip Kelly. On the road, in Ames, tough spot. Then OU could also find itself in a little bit of trouble at home against Baylor on September 29th. Now, that game is tricky for the following reasons. The next week, you have the Red River rivalry. So you've had four tough games leading up to that point where OU plays FAU, UCLA, and FAU behind Lane Kiffin's a good team, 11-3 and last year. UCLA with Chip Kelly, two really good offenses back-to-back at Iowa State, and then against Army, a Jeff Monken team that won 10 games. 
So no slouches. And then you look ahead to Texas. You might get caught looking ahead against a Baylor team that won one game. Meantime, you know, Baylor's coming off Kansas the week before, so they're pretty well rested. And you hope that if you're an OU fan, you do not overlook the Baylor Bears at home. So that's certainly one game that I'm looking at as a potential trap game for OU. Also, I would look at that K-State game on October 27th. They would be coming out of the bye week, the Sooners will be, at TCU. A rematch of the Big 12 title game. A lot of juice there. Come back home. Maybe take the foot off the pedal a little bit. And K-State comes in, and I will never forget this game because I was in the stands when I was... Uh, living in Oklahoma at the time, October or late, it must have been late September of 2012 when Kansas State upset Oklahoma, who was undefeated top five or top 10 at the time, and uh, walked into Norman with a win. And I think back to that game because, and I know it was late September because we found our dog on October 1st of 2012 under our car, and that was a Monday right after that game. So it must have been September 29th of 2012. God, my memory is screwed up. But yeah, that's uh, I remember that game vividly. And Kansas State went on to have a really good year in 2012. We all know uh, they were up there ranked number one in the country or number two in the country before that loss to Baylor. And uh, I guess that was the Saturday before Thanksgiving. I remember that because I was in Kansas City for a Springsteen concert watching that game in the Power and Light District. And K-State was undefeated, and uh, it did not end well for the Wildcats that evening. So keep an eye on that game as well. West Virginia, another team that I think can end up winning the Big 12 Conference. I see a couple of trap games here for the Mountaineers. First off, early in the season at NC State. Not an easy game. Are you looking ahead to conference play the following week against K-State, which by the way, West Virginia and K-State always seem to play close games. Something to keep an eye on there as well. West Virginia, before their bye week, they are on the road at Iowa State. That's never easy. You'll have played seven straight games. So the Mountaineers going to be a little worn down by October 13th. You know, that's a, a pretty late bye week. That's a lot of teams have a bye week that week, October 20th, but that's pretty darn late. Meantime, you look at other stumbling blocks across the Big 12 for teams that have a decent shot at winning the conference, at least according to Las Vegas. Texas is up there, and a stumbling block for Texas could be, and Derek pointed this out, at Texas Tech on November 10th. Cliff Kingsbury is fighting for bowl eligibility or fighting for his job. Another win over Texas for a second straight year might just do the trick, and this time it is in Lubbock, which is, some people say it's not a tough place to play anymore. I still think it's above average difficulty, so keep an eye on that game as well for the Texas Longhorns if they are in the Big 12 race towards the end of the season. They'll have just played Oklahoma State and West Virginia, two tough games. Do they relax a little bit at Texas Tech and then Cliff Kingsbury picks them off again? Who knows, but it is worth watching for the Texas Longhorns that week. It is Pete Mundo, HeartlandCollegeSports.com, and really appreciate you guys joining us each and every week. Thanks so much for being a part of the show. If you missed it, you can download it on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. We're on all three spots. And we'll talk to you next week, same time, same place, right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. 2,000 country stations, yeah, we're one big country nation, that's right.
Thanks for listening, guys, and do not forget to subscribe, rate, review, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. We will talk to you next week, same time and same place.